0: Hello and welcome to the Friendly City Insider Podcast, your inside look at news and events from Moose Jaw City Hall. I'm Communications Manager Craig Hemingway and on this episode, Aboriginal Awareness Training. The City of Moose Jaw recently presented Aboriginal Awareness Training to employees. Why? Who did the presenting? We'll hear about all of those things and more from our guests today, including Human Resources Director for the City, Al Bromley and the President of Aboriginal Consulting Services, The man who did the presentations for the city, John Lajemogierre that's all coming up on the podcast but first a few other things to get to 12th avenue southwest water main construction done meaning the intersection of 12th and cotto is open again and that water main project is completely finished there are a few utility repairs that will need to be completed by october 25th 26th Uh, so maybe some localized traffic restrictions still in that 12th avenue southwest area but the water main portion is done also celtic thunder x Yes, the big concert is coming October 27th, so only a few days left to get your tickets for what is a splendid evening of entertainment, great family show, and man, these fellas, the Celtic fellas in Celtic Thunder, tremendously talented. Take a listen.
1: Celebrating 10 years with Celtic Thunder. Baby! Celtic Thunder X, on public television.
0: And that's only a small taste. So get your tickets for Celtic Thunder X today at Mosaic Place box office here in Moose Jaw. And have you heard... Moose John District Chamber of Commerce hosting a High Street Grand Reopening Celebration Saturday, October 27th. Yeah, just hours before you go to Celtic Thunder, you can come for a free hot dog and some other great live entertainment on High Street as the celebration to officially declare High Street Open. Of course, uh, many setbacks with water main construction on High Street last year led to it being named the worst road in Saskatchewan this spring by CAA. Well, it did get redone this summer, and now is the best, if not one of the best, roads in Saskatchewan. The Moose Jaw District Chamber of Commerce hosting the celebration in support of the high street businesses who were affected uh, when the road was in a real rough shape for several months, and a chance for uh, us to come down, as we said, for a free hot dog, some live entertainment, stuff for the kids to do, and reintroduce yourself to the high street business corridor on October 27th, 11 until 1 is uh, the barbecue portion. In the music portion. But of course, uh, those businesses open uh, all day and you can find more with the cities and the Chamber of Commerce social media pages about that high street grand reopening October 27th. Now, back to Aboriginal awareness training. City of Moose Jaw recently undertook Aboriginal awareness training for employees, well over 100 employees attending uh, the seminars. And this is just the latest in a string of presentations put forward by the city's Human Resources Department. Diversity training took place a few months ago, and uh, there's ongoing training in any number of subjects. And to talk about those is the Director of Human Resources, Al Bromley. And Al, thanks for joining us. Let's start with uh, the reason behind you bringing forward the Aboriginal Awareness Training.
2: Well, I think, uh, as everyone is aware, there's been a lot of uh, interest in uh, truth and reconciliation across the country. And... uh, many municipalities have uh embraced that issue of aboriginal awareness in uh, delivering that training to to their employees
0: uh, as, as we look towards the future and as you mentioned it's a hot topic so it's really about trying to have a solution before there's a problem
2: absolutely i the you know the whole objective of these sessions was to clarify for the benefit of participants the you know the meanings of, of of Aboriginal issues, the words. Uh, There was a fair bit of emphasis in terms of addressing myths and misconceptions about Aboriginal people. But really our desired outcome, uh, we want to be a representative workforce. And in doing so, uh, it's imperative that we understand um, the people that we will be recruiting from the largest and fastest-growing sector uh, in our province. How did we settle upon uh, Mr.
0: Lajmojir?
2: Well, when we embarked on identifying uh, this type of training, I did put it out to some of my uh, peers in other municipalities, and uh, we received some glowing referrals from, uh, for instance, the city of Saskatoon, uh, that was that was one group that we uh, we we talked to directly, um, and I'll, as well, I became aware that uh, John was uh, publisher of uh, the Eagle Feather News, which is an I think the province's only Aboriginal uh, weekly newspaper, and uh, strong uh, awareness of the issues. Um, he's a he's a a Métis man from Saskatoon, very, uh, very familiar with the history uh, of Aboriginal people in, uh, in Canada and Saskatchewan.
0: And able to condense that history, uh, you know, the, the, the seminars are th- three hours Yet you really feel like, and we've both been through it, you feel like you've got a really excellent sense of that history. Again, you can't go into great detail on any one particular issue, but really uh, seems to be able to encapsulate the the history of uh, Métis and and, and Aboriginal people in general in Saskatchewan and that history and, and how we got to where we are today, not only in Saskatchewan, but in Canada.
2: Well, and that history is current. There was a major decision last week by the Supreme Court uh, regarding uh, consent and discussions with Aboriginal peoples prior to invoking laws and prior to building pipelines and stuff like that. No, I, uh, I really love the myth-busting component of his workshop myself because we were shown what uh, exactly what taxes First Nations people pay and didn't pay which dissolved a real divisive issue, I think, from a lot of people's perspective. And we we had insight into how various First Nations are making inroads toward greater self-sufficiency. So a lot of myths and misunderstandings were addressed, which uh, I think really changed the uh, attitude of a number of the people that were in my workshop.
0: Have you received any feedback uh, from the seminar?
2: Absolutely. I, I've received a number of emails uh, from people thanking me for presenting the workshops. Uh, I wanted to point out as well, Craig, as an adjunct to this, we have a um, an Aboriginal Awareness Certificate Program that is, uh, I believe, a five-module, six-module um, certificate program that we have uh, sent uh, online uh through email to another 110 employees of the city. So our out of scope being our managers, directors, and supervisors, as well as our in scope supervisors, and our fire personnel will all be assigned this training. And uh, so I'm really excited about that component of it as well.
0: This is the latest in a, well, a long series of of training programs that uh, Human Resources has presented for employees. There's been diversity training, and and it goes beyond, you know, even things like diversity. There's some basic day-to-day things we need to know as employees that you're regularly rolling out. Uh, If you could just maybe talk about that process of identifying those issues and then getting them presented.
2: Well, it all begins with the business case for a representative workforce. Uh, Successful organizations across Canada understand that uh, diversity is, is a part of our fabric as a nation of Canada. And uh, yeah, you're correct, we we have um, we did an excellent uh, workshop series with Joe Wickenhauser from uh, Moose Jaw Pride, so uh, our managers and directors and supervisors learned about LGBTQ issues and uh, we also had a few myths dispelled by Joe in that uh, workshop sh- session. Clearly, in terms of our organizational development, we have tried to direct workshops uh, to help to add tools to people's toolbox in in uh, relating to other people. Recently, we did a uh, workshop on uh, conflict resolution. We've done other stuff regarding crucial conversations, uh, respect in the workforce. So there's a number of our workshops that will are designed to influence behaviors, but also provide people with the tools and techniques they need to help resolve issues within the workplace.
0: Al Bromley, Director of Human Resources. Anything else to add?
2: No, other than uh, we're, we're really excited to continue our um, organizational development. Uh, there'll be more programming for our employees, uh, and uh, we're looking forward to, once again, building a representative workforce at the City of Moose Jaw.
0: Our thanks to Al Bromley, Director of Human Resources for the city of Moose Jaw. And as you heard Al say, he was quite impressed by the presentation. So was I, I took part in one of them. And so were, well, sounds like everybody uh, from the city who took part in the presentations that were presented by John Lajamogier, President of Aboriginal Consulting Services and publisher of Eagle Feather News, the only weekly Aboriginal newspaper in Saskatchewan. Uh, the presentations a mix of history, myth-busting, current events, and and John is just uh, very well-spoken and able to present all that information in a matter-of-fact manner, which really resonated with uh, those who were there. And so we wanted to touch base with John after the presentation that uh, I took part in Find out a bit more about himself and these presentations and his passion about this subject. We began by asking John about his background as a Métis person and his connection and relation to arguably the most famous Métis of them all.
1: Yeah, so my grandparents, French couple from trois de Quebec, settled in the Red River in 1806, had a bunch of kids. One of their kids, woman, Julie, married Louis Riel, senior, right, the businessman, and she gave birth to Louis Riel, Jr. So, Louis Riel's first cousin is my great great grandfather. His mother is brother or sister to my great 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 grandfather. And we obviously share grandparents together. So, uh, yeah, our family is right wired in and connected with the development of the Metis Nation in, in the Red River Territory and, and obviously a little bit uh, at Batosh. Louis was our only family member at Batosh, but he played a pretty big role.
0: Uh, How big a role did being Métis play when you were growing up? Because, again, you don't, right? I don't look like You don't don't look like him. Yeah, yeah.
1: it didn't play a big role at all, actually. Uh, You know, it wasn't something that that was taught in schools very much, you know, a little bit of the history stuff. But culture and and things like that weren't brought into the schools then. Um, And our family didn't really talk about it. My grandfather moved out of the Red River area because there was, uh, uh, how would you say, resentments against our family and our name. Uh, and there was opportunity out here for him. But whenever I went back to Lorette, where my grandfather's from, just outside of Winnipeg, uh, our family there was very dark, uh, mid-chief speaking, uh, with Korean-French mix, uh, very much anti-Crown, and still carrying a lot of the anger and resentment from uh, the resistance in 1870. Our family suffered sanctions. My great-great-grandfather was charged with treason against Canada. So when you have those things happen, it becomes incumbent on some generations to kind of hide it in order to protect your family, protect your income, protect your life's livelihood because there was a lot of racism and, and animosity towards them. So we never really talked about it but we had a family history published in 1980 and it drew all the map and it brought it all together and showed it to us. It made my dad cry actually and, 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 and whenever we'd gone to Winnipeg I'd see Louis Riel's grave and I'd see all our names all over it and I understood we were Related to him, but uh, the concept of Métis, not so much. But with that family history book, my dad says, yeah, we're, we're a little bit Métis, is how he put it. But when I went and told my buddies this at school that same year, because I was pretty proud of being Louis Riel's cousin, they called me a wagon burner and all kinds of negative things, and I had to get into a fist fight. And so I didn't really want to wave that flag anymore because there's no merit in waving it. So it I went.
0: Sorry, hurry. It went that quickly from being friends, and just that one comment spurred oh. that. Well,
1: he, he's he's stayed a friend. Yeah, and he I stood up was one of the two best men at his at his uh, at his wedding, but that was his reaction to that. We had to punch each other in the face just to straighten that out. Right? Kids can be cruel and kids can be wonderful, but back then. Uh, there's was a lot of negativity around Aboriginal stuff, right? People were judged as drunk Indians or uh, traitor, treasonous Métis or these kind of things, and that was just a reality. Saskatchewan's a very racist place, and I don't think a lot of people realize that because they're not the ones being racist on, you know, until you live it or have friends that went through it. And I'm fortunate. I'm fair-skinned, so I was never racially judged uh, on my profile. But uh, I know a lot of my friends that were darker I, that really suffered. So uh, my thing, I've, I was born with privileged skin and I use that every day to open up doors for me to spread this message that we spread through Average Awareness because people are less intimidated by me because I look like them.
0: Yeah, we're not that far apart in age or it could be could be right the same age. Who yeah. knows what we're, you know, um, and certainly in my memory, it really only has seemed to mean the last, you know, 20 years or so when there has been more of a movement to move towards trying, certainly in this province, um, to what has ended up now being, you know, more uh, truth and reconciliation and some of those things. But yeah. at the beginning of, and a recognition that there is opportunity within the, the Indigenous population in Saskatchewan. We need to recognize that and, and, and capitalize on that for everybody's benefit. Well,
1: for sure. Yeah. If we lift up the Aboriginal community, we can undo a lot of things, right? The social costs in the Aboriginal community are, are uh, expensive and hard. Uh, and more importantly, it's not about costs. These are people that are being born into a demographic. They didn't want to inherit that. They're inheriting 150 years of pain, right, of Canadian history. and. Uh, but in the last like you say 20 years the the conversations changed and people are realizing we can't go on that way and that a lot of bad things happened historically and that we got to do better to engage both economically educationally and politically the aboriginal people of canada and it's the time and we're in a switch generation curriculum's caught up, people are learning about treaties, we're having conversations about the residential schools, and it's uh, making sense to a lot of Canadians. And they want to be champions because when they hear what really happened in Canada historically, they get embarrassed because some of it was terrible.
0: So what was it that got you uh, to start doing what you're doing now and to go and, and doing these presentations to try and clear up some of the uh, misconceptions? and. and fill in some of the blanks for people who have questions.
1: Yeah, I got very lucky. Uh, the, the, the market developed for Aboriginal awareness, right? With all the growing concerns and pressing issues in our province, uh, businesses started to look for ways to better serve Aboriginal communities and what's better, better way to serve them than to understand them better. And that created a bit of, of demand, right? And uh, we were fortunate uh, that uh, the two guys that I knew from university knew someone who knew someone that was looking for uh, to fill this RFP for SASTEL, and um, we slapped together some native studies curriculum and, and we got lucky and we got it. And But since then we've evolved the seminar to, you know, we know what people need to hear, we know what people want to hear, and we know what they don't want to hear, and uh, we try to make the best out of all that, uh, tying both history and, because the current issues are all explained through the history, right? They're all explained through the history. So once they get that history, it makes land claims a little bit more palatable. It makes understanding the residential schools a little more empathetic. It makes uh, understanding some of the poverty issues uh, uh, more frustrating for them because they don't want to see those people poor either. So it's basically evolved out of demand and the fact that Canada failed Canadians when it came to teaching them about Aboriginal people. They didn't teach them proper and it served the government well to have Canadians ignorant. But now Canadians aren't ignorant and they want to know and we tell them.
0: How close uh, is what you're doing, your presentation, to what is being taught in schools?
1: Uh, I do not know. Uh, I've seen the treaties in the classroom things. Uh, Ours has evolved from Native Studies 110, but also the best way to explain it in a, um, how would you say, chronological and rational order. By interweaving academic stuff we learned, personal family stories, and uh, fun facts, and the odd bad joke, right, just to keep people on their toes. And we don't go out and blame, we don't go out and shame, uh, because a lot of people in Canada are ignorant. And I use that word with all due respect, they're just, they don't know what they don't know, and uh, um, it's not their fault. And I think a lot of Canadians are happy to hear that because they feel some white guilt or Canadian guilt, and they shouldn't uh, because they were robbed by the Canadian government, and we just fill in in for it.
0: Is it satisfying to know there is a demand for what you're able to bring? For instance, like here, the city of Moose Jaw, uh, having you come in to do these presentations to employees?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I got the best job in the world. Uh, I get to go talk about uh, issues that are very important to me uh, in a calm, pragmatic way to bring champions on and to to have people just understand become champions or uh just become not unchampions, right you know stop the negativity if you're not going to help get out of the way kind of thing and uh it's very rewarding career to me uh i get to travel the province i get to meet wonderful people i get to connect with people and you know regina moose jaw pa uh, north Ballard, sastoon and uh, uh it's a good career. I love doing what I do and meeting all these people through my newspaper as well. It uh, affords me a lot of insights into the community and it's uh, it's very, very, re- very rewarding.
0: What are some of the most common questions you get uh, during these presentations?
1: Uh, a lot of just around the myths of, this, of the benefits of being a status Indian or a Métis person. So, how does taxation work? Uh, do they really get free education? Do Métis people pay taxes? Uh, where do land claims come from and what is the duty to consult? Those are the big ones, and those are the ones that are always front and center issues in the community anyways, right? And the stuff they see most of in the media or at the shopping store. So that's the big ones.
0: Uh, educate, train, and employ. Those are the three yeah. Three of the keywords you used today. Could you expand on that a little bit?
1: It's a great equalizer right? They, if you have a BA in finance or sociology or well, I guess it would be a commerce degree in finance, uh, something nobody can ever take away from you is your education, right? And uh, you educate and train people and make them uh, uh, self-sufficient, you can't take that away from them. And the government spent 100 years taking away from First Nations and Métis people, taking land, taking rights, taking children, taking this, taking that. So by taking our place in the education and, and economic systems of the province, uh, no one's gonna give it to us. We gotta take our place. We can assert being indigenous, we can assert our place in the economy, and we can lift up those that have been left behind and, and have them become self-sufficient. And that's what everybody wants, really. Uh, the People that you see there in the vicious cycles of uh, poverty or uh, welfare, uh, it's not a good life there but sometimes they don't know the difference. So we gotta give them the skills to find the difference and move on out, and it's a great equalizer, and I've seen it change communities.
0: Talk about Eagle Feather
1: News. Ah, yeah, so we've grown that over 20 years to be the largest independent aboriginal media outlet in the province. Uh, Monthly paper goes around the province to to, uh, 10,000 copies. First Nations, Métis locals, gas bars, friendship centers, et cetera, schools, lots of schools. And in the Eagle Feather, we try to keep it positive, right? So that when someone picks it up at a Métis local here in Moose Jaw or at Standing Buffalo or Fond du Lac for that matter, young or old, they see positive images of their community reflected on them, right? There's enough negativity in the press, but there's so much good going on. And we try to focus that in the paper. Now, all the news we get doesn't hit the paper, and we put that in on our website. So sometimes there's controversial stories or negative stories on our website, but news is news, and we have a a responsibility to deliver that as well. Um, So we highlight the people that should be highlighted. We think that are doing good things in the community, and it's very well received. We just turned 20 years old in March of 2018, and uh, it gets us open. opens a lot of doors for us, and it... it, uh, gets us into a lot of communities and places where we wouldn't get if we weren't the media. So uh, it's helped open doors for the awareness, but it also supplements the awareness because it's all current issues, and in order to understand those, you have to understand the history, and it's a good vicious cycle with that.
0: Over the next three to five years, what do you think is realistic for next steps in continuing on on this path that that has begun to... Again, so that there is can be success uh, for for everyone.
1: Yeah, and I think you said it in your question. Continuing on this path, we're on the path, man. We got calls to action; people are doing them. We got business investments; people are doing them. We got people pulling people into schools and out of the gutter and doing things and lifting them up. And we got language champions and we got business champions and. We're doing lots of things right now and could we do more? Probably. Could other segments do more? Sure. But at the same time, we got progress. Things are happening. We shouldn't uh, be smirk ourselves or beat ourselves up. Because uh, where we've come from, where we are from where we've come here in Saskatchewan in the last 25 years is phenomenal. We're having conversations like we never had before. We're having economic success like we never had before. and. Uh, if we just keep building on that we'll do fine. We do have setbacks every three, five, six months it seems with some sort of catastrophic thing or some sort of racist incident. But the more the community is united, the more we're able to deal with some of those issues and not make it as bad as it could have been or used to be.
0: Let's end with how you ended with us here today and some of the things you left us with in terms of um, how you hope we can help elevate uh, discussion and uh, and have better discourse.
1: My thing is that when I end every seminar and ask for two things number one I ask for help elevating the conversation and we have to elevate the conversation around Aboriginal issues to be based on fact to be forward-looking and respectful because sometimes bad things crawl into those uh, conversations there's anger resentment myths uh, uh, racism we can't have that. So I ask everybody to help me elevate that conversation. And then secondly, do one act of reconciliation, right? It's uh, not hard to do. Could be holding the door open for someone at the co-op, could be uh, sponsoring kids sport, could be helping a policy along at work that helps get more Indigenous engagement. Could be anything, you do what you do, right? And so if you think about it in Saskatchewan, we've got half a million adults, at least in this province. And if every adult in Saskatchewan elevated the conversation and did one act of reconciliation that's a lot of things and our provincial motto is for many hands strength and if you uh think of that and we do it uh we can get a lot done it's just everybody's got a rope uh, pull a rope you know
0: john lagemogier president of aboriginal consulting services and publisher of the eagle feather news which you can find online by the way eagle feather news Dot com. Our thanks to John, our thanks to Al Bromley, and our thanks to you for listening to the Friendly City Insider Podcast. I'm Craig Hemingway.